Welcome to this episode of Profess Hers, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, current events, and literature, all discussed through the perspective of women's issues and feminism. I'm Allegra, and my favorite Disney princess when I was a kid? Yeah, when you were a kid. Probably Jasmine. Why? I like the songs in that movie. Okay, I can see it. So, I didn't really identify with the princess. I always really identified with Aladdin. Oh, not Jafar? (laughs) Rude. (laughs) Okay, and I'm Misty. And you know what? I liked Alice in Wonderland a lot. Yeah, that was a good one. It was real trippy at the end, but it was good. It was a very weird cartoon. And then you read the book and you're like, oh no, they nailed it. It was this weird. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's weirder, the book. But yes. Yeah. It was a, it's a strange movie, but you know, they don't consider Alice a She's Disney not a princess. Princess. But maybe that's why I like her? Probably. So we made it to episode 43. We did, which is a long time. Before we finally got around to discussing princesses. Well, Disney princesses. We're not e- talking about Meghan Markle. Well, actually, we actually have talked about like royalty before. We have, like historical yeah. royalty. Well, you definitely have. But this is a little different. Yeah. I can't wait for you to say this word. <laughs> so we're going to talk about princification. Nope. Okay, you do it. Princessification. Okay, cool. That of girl culture. Okay. So I have some quotes it's here. It's great. No problems, right? Yes. Everything's awesome. Yeah. As always, being a woman is amazing. And being a princess. Even better. No, no issues. No. Diversity, representation. All of those things. Okay, good. So we're done. So, Just kidding. I want to talk before we talk about the actual princesses. I want to talk about just this idea of every little girl being a princess. So this is coming from Cinderella ate my daughter. Which, it's a good name for a book. It's fantastic. Yeah, and the cover's amazing. They did a great job. So this book is talking about girl culture and the idea of princesses as being a big part of that being either good for girls Mm -hmm. or being very 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 detrimental so somebody already wrote a book about it you don't have to do this podcast episode well for people that don't read (laughs) it's our new tagline (laughs) the podcast for people who don't read professors for people who don't read (laughs) so the question here is did playing cinderella Shield little girls from early sexualization or prime them for it? Does walking around dressed as Jasmine just harmless fun? Or does it instill an unhealthy fixation on appearance? Interesting. Do you want to guess? A little of both, but mostly the bad stuff? Yep. You nailed it. Woo! So according to the American Psychological Association, girly girl culture, which is what she eventually calls this in the book, is an emphasis on beauty and play sexiness, which can increase a girl's vulnerability and pitfalls that most parents are concerned about. So depression, eating disorders, distorted body images, risky sexual behavior later in life, and eventually self-harm. So stick to Dora the Explorer, I guess. If possible. But the thing is, it's not possible. It's not. And even if you say, in our house, we will not be watching these movies, we will not be... but. I mean, your children eventually go into the world. We don't watch a lot of princess movies. Like, we've seen Frozen. Fine. But my daughter's never seen The Little Mermaid. She knows all of the characters, and I don't know how. Yeah, yeah. My niece uh, knows all of the songs uh, to Moana. Never seen the movie. 
How? Don't I mean, know. It's like I and I, my parents, my sister, her parents, my sister and my brother-in-law, they just play like 80s punk rock in the car. <laughs> they're not jamming to Disney's greatest hits. She knows them. We go swimming and they're playing kids music. She's singing all the songs. It's just everywhere. So let's talk about the Disney princess origin story first. Okay. I didn't know this until I did research. And this is also in the book, too, in case anybody wants to check it out. It's very... It's fascinating. So Disney hired uh, a former Nike executive to be their head of consumer products in the late 1990s, which it's hard to remember a time when Disney needed help selling consumer products. But they actually weren't selling very many. They were selling movies. Right. And they had Disneyland and Disney World. But in terms of things that you buy and have in your home. And before this, everything that they released was tied directly to a movie. Yes. So the Lion King comes out. We have Lion King plush toys. Right. But we would never just have Lion King toys without the Lion King movie being out. Exactly. So this guy, his name is Andy Mooney. He's standing in line in the arena of a Disney on Ice show. And Disney on Ice is one of the only times when they put characters from different movies all together. But they didn't interact. Right. But there would be a scene from Aladdin and a scene from... A vignette, a vignette, So you're going to have fans of different Disney franchises there at Disney on Ice. And he says, I was surrounded by little girls dressed head to toe as princesses. They weren't even Disney products. They were generic princess products they'd appended to a Halloween costume. And the light bulb went off. Clearly, there was latent demand here. So the next morning, I said to my team, okay, let's establish standards and a color palette and talk to licensees and get as much product out there as we possibly can that allows these girls to do what they're doing anyway, projecting themselves into the characters from the classic movies. I want to retell this in a different way. Okay. So he goes to Disney on Ice. Yeah. And he sees little girls, oh my gosh, in homemade costumes. Right. And thinks, we're leaving money on the table. Yeah. That's what happened. I mean, that is his job. Yes, but it's very, yeah, he very cynical. Yeah, he didn't see like, look at these girls and their enthusiasm. Look at this creativity. Yeah. Look at these moms and daughters working together on this. No, he said latent demand. And they went in the next day and said, we're choosing a color palette. We're talking to the manufacturers. We're getting, his quote is, as much product out there as we possibly can. Which is then interesting because Roy Disney doesn't immediately jump on board. Yeah. So Roy Disney was a purist, right? So he said, if you have Walt Disney's nephew, for those that don't know, if you have Cinderella items, they're being sold as part of the Cinderella line or if you have sleeping beauty items they're a sleeping beauty line and you're definitely not gonna sell sleeping beauty and cinderella as best friends together because they exist in different world universes yes so and and his quote was avoided that disney has avoided mingling characters from its classic fairy tales into other narratives Worrying that it would weaken the individual mythologies. And this is also stupid. <laughs> made up pretend people can't I mean, I, I be mean, friends with other I made understand, up pretend people. I understand that you want to 
I understand the impulse to say each story has an individual mythology and wherever Sleeping Beauty lives, it's not the same universe, but they're like eight-year-olds. They, and don't, they don't care. They don't care, right? We're not talking about comic book movies and putting Superman and Spider-Man in the same movie together, which would drive everyone insane, right? We're not talking about putting Star Trek characters in the Star Wars universe where this is something that would matter if we altered the mythology. We're talking about Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. But at the same time... Do girls even know that they don't exist in the same universe? Probably not. Well, I mean, I think about being a little kid and like my cousin had a G.I. Joe and I had My Little Ponies and the G.I. Joes definitely rode the My Little Ponies and we did not care that they were not coexisting. Or Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... Kids gonna be kids. Barbie's ride on My Little Ponies. Yeah, it's... So the original idea for this marketing, and it was just called Princess. That was their whole thing. Disney Princess. princesses. Yep. It was very, very broad. It was not well defined. So basically, anybody could be a princess. So we had Snow White, Cinderella, Aurora, that's Sleeping Beauty, uh, because she usually isn't referred to by her name, Ariel, Belle, Jasmine, Pocahontas, Mulan, and originally Tinkerbell. So let's go through that. Snow White is a princess. Sure, I believe you. I don't know. <laughs> Cinderella is not born a princess. Aurora, not a princess. But doesn't she kiss by a prince? No, so Aurora was a princess, right? Yeah. Okay. Snow Air- White is not a prince. No, Snow White is a princess. Right, Cinderella's not. She's poor. But then she marries a prince. But she's not born a princess. Oh, born a princess? Yes. So Snow White is, Aurora is... I mean, I guess kind of Ariel is. Ariel definitely is the daughter of the king of the sea. Triton is a demigod. That changes things, but let's not get into that. He's the king of the sea. She's a princess. Belle is not. Definitely not. Jasmine is. Kind of, yes. Pocahontas, no. Mulan is. No. Mm -mm. No. She's the daughter of... A high-ranking noble. Yeah, but she's not a princess. She doesn't even marry a prince. She's literally not a princess in any form. So And Tinkerbell's a fairy. Yeah, and that's why they made that's why they took Tinkerbell out of the Disney princess line because they eventually tried to replicate this with Disney fairies. Yes, and they collected various Disney fairies. I can't name one other than Tinkerbell, but for those people who are interested in that, and of course now we have Disney villains where they put all the villains together on products. So I like yes, I have a purse that has. Um, the Evil Queen and Ursula and Maleficent and all of those people on it. So the idea that Princess was going to be really broad was yeah. on purpose. So it's a way to just market to female children. So why did they leave out Alice in Wonderland or the lady from Hercules? I can't remember her name. I never even saw that one. I'm guessing because Alice is a child. And these are all grown women. Well, I mean, some of them in the story is like 16, but they Late were older. adolescent, yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. And I think that's the thing. We can put these girls, the princesses, in ball I have, gowns. I have a different theory. What's your theory? Alice's story is not romantic. And so it is not... Well, Tinkerbell doesn't have a romantic interest. Oh, that's true. But they kicked her out. Yeah, they did. <laughs> she got kicked out of the club. The the general rules that people tend to assume are that you have to be human or human-like. That's why Nala is not included, even though Nala is... But Ariel is because she's half. And then she turns into a human. Okay. Yeah, she's human-ish. Um, and that you have to be the 
female lead of the movie. So that leaves out side characters or movies that have mostly just male characters, right? So this why Minnie Mouse is not included. She's not a human, I think. Does she ever become a human? I I don't know. Okay. I'm going to say no. You're the one with the small child. So anyway, and that she has some... Well, I thought they were all princesses, but you're telling me they're not. No, they're not. Okay. So we can just dress them like princesses. We can put them in ball gowns that match the assigned color palette. So my thinking is that Jasmine, Pocahontas, and Mulan are purposely included, even though two of those three are not princesses, because it appeals to a certain demographic in the marketplace. Well, it appeals to uh, anyone with... That's not brains in their head. <laughs> I mean, would you would you in the year 2000 buy products that are like, look at all the Disney princesses. And it was very obviously just five white women. I mean, I would who not all look the same. But especially if I was Asian American, you know, like putting Mulan in there. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, a it's built in market. It's definitely including diversity without real representation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about that more later, too. So, as you've mentioned before, this was the first time that the characters are marketed from separate franchises all together, and that's why they don't look at each other. They never make eye contact. It is the weirdest thing. And if you look, if you just Google Disney princesses, you'll see a picture of them, and it's like they're all standing kind of in a line or a V-shape, but they are all looking in different directions. Once you see it, you can never not see it. Yeah. But yeah. Wreck-It Ralph is the exception. They're all unaware of each other's presences. Yes. It's very strange. Uh, by two thousand, So in 2001, Disney Consumer Products, and again, that's basically anything that you would buy and have in your house, had generated about, other than the movies themselves. Right. So d- in 2001, Consumer Products had generated about $300 million. So that within was their- one year. Yes. That is such a high number in one year. And in 2012, the division had increased revenue to $3 billion. I found a different number that said $4 billion, but either one is insane. So it was the top seller of consumer entertainment products globally. So think about this. Think about every product you can name that has a Disney princess on it. That's part of this line. Okay. So we got sheets, sleeping bags, mm-hmm. lamps, night lights, books, toys, Dress-up, toys. What else? Maybe pieces of furniture. You're right. They had little couches. They had little um, wall hangings. Decorations, yes. Uh, toy cars. Clothes. Yeah, like t-shirts with them yes. on there. Um, pajamas. Fanny packs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a 90s reference. Um, probably played jewelry. So in American consumer culture, the things that tend to make the most money would be um, cars, so that's obviously excluded. Yeah. Cigarettes. Yeah. Obviously excluded. And liquor. Yeah. So they made that money without the top three sellers. Oh, that's true. That's crazy. Yeah. And when you're a parent. Wouldn't it be cool if there was Disney princess liquor? <laughs> what would that even be? I don't know. I think it would be cool. I guess it would be better if it was Disney villains liquor. Yeah, it would be very 
I mean, I would buy some like Ursula rum, wouldn't you? I would buy Ursula rum. I would not buy Ariel Rosé. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Maleficent dark wine or something. It would have to be like green though. Yeah, that would be great. I guess it could be absinthe. That's the oh, only. Oh, yes. Let's do that. <laughs> Maleficent absinthe. I have a new business proposal. This is good. I mean, if that turns out to be a thing, somebody owes us money. <laughs> It's crazy. It how is much crazy. Money. And they this dude had this idea and they put these products in market. No focus groups, no advertisements. They just sent this junk to the stores. And when I say junk, y'all know it's junk. They sent this junk to the stores and they saw their target demographic, the mother of girls ages two through six, which I think that was limited, right? I think girls are into princesses at least till they're eight i think they were marketing two to six purposely because you're gonna hook those kids into disney oh god you're right it's like and your stuff can age with the kids yeah so maybe you're in just disney princess two to six and then maybe it's more like the disney shows Mm -hmm. six to ten and then you talked about something one time about your child watches a movie with the kids of the Oh yeah, the descendants. Thank and, you. And, and she's older, right? Oh yeah, but but the descendants are old. they're teenagers, right? And your uh, daughter is ten, eleven. Yeah, so I mean 11. that they hooked her in young to Disney. Oh yeah, that's and it a is good growing point. up with her. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened, and she knows who all of those people are exactly because that's this daughter of Ursula, and that's the son of Cruella Deville, and that's so. Yeah, that's true. Wow. That's you have gross. a built-in, hooked-in audience. That's gross. It kind of is. And then, okay, so beyond that, you're relying Which, by on... the way, if in, you know, 10 years they had Disney liquor, she'd be the perfect person to <laughs> you buy You guys could be drinking your absinthe together. <laughs> Just saying. If it's growing up with her. So those were the originals. And for a long time, from the early 2000s until 2009... Well, hold on. Before we move on, I want to say one more thing. Okay. Part of the strategy here is relying on nostalgia that parents had for their own childhood with Disney. Sure. That's why they have like the, I mean, even Belle or Ariel. Well, not Belle, but even like Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, and Snow White. Those the classics. Are that everybody watched. Yes. As children. But the other thing they're relying on is that parents now are so overwhelmed with so many choices and it's hard to know what is safe. For your kids yeah. and what's not going to be overly sexualized or have curse words, you can just kind of mindlessly put on Disney and know that it's basically safe for your kids. But is it? But it's probably not. But that's what parents think, right? Yeah. Like, I know if I put this Disney movie on, I can get some laundry done and my kid's not going to learn a new curse word. But wouldn't you rather them learn a new curse word than become... Antiquated ideas of what it means I to mean, be female? I mean, but you told us at the beginning, right? These are people are more predisposed to eating disorders and self-image issues, right? Overexposure, yes. Okay. And the So other... watching the movie one time. It's but probably okay. Name a child who watches a movie one time. And then the other um, idea that I saw in a couple articles was, if you think about 2000 and then 2001, we had the 9-11 attack yeah so some of this is also like the world is chaotic yeah and i don't know what's going on these are old trusted and i just want my little girl to be safe yeah and what is safer than a disney princess 
Nothing yeah. really bad ever happens in those movies, right? There's no long-term trauma. Yeah, and I mean, psychologically, those things are comforting, right? If the plot is... There's never That's the reason you watch Hallmark movies. Yeah, there's never any serious peril. Yes. And there is a very satisfying conclusion that is beneficial to people who are going through something stressful. So I, I see that. So those were the original princesses from the early 2000s until 2009. So for almost 10 years, we just had Snow White, Cinderella, Aurora, Ariel, Belle, Jasmine, Pocahontas, Mulan. In 2009, they had a coronation. A coronation? Oh, they have coronations. I did not know that. So you know that if you go to Disney World, you can meet any of the princesses. Well, you can meet the ones they have there that day. Right. Fair. (laughs) So you can, so there are live human female people who are dressed as the character who embody the whatever. So obviously it's not really Princess Tiana, but there was a... You can't meet made up imaginary person. <laughs> well, I mean, in your mind, I guess you can. So they had a coronation for Princess Tiana, who was from the Princess and the Frog. And of course, given the name of the movie, she's an actual princess. Again, no. I've never seen it. Um, we've actually, we tried to watch this one. Yeah. It's set in New Orleans. And so my husband's like, oh, that's Canal Street or whatever. Yeah. And then my daughter started crying because we had gone somewhere without her. But she hadn't been born yet. So you were familiar with the places in the and movie. And she got real upset. So we had to turn it off. I'm going to say I really like your child. So Princess and the Frog, it's kind of a retelling of that. I think it's set in like, from what I could gather, the 1920s maybe. Um, the main character here is a working class woman in New Orleans. And she is going to marry a prince. So same thing with Cinderella. So she ends up a princess. She ends up a princess. Okay. In 2010, they had a coronation for Rapunzel from the movie Tangled. I don't know if she's a princess. In the fairy tale, she is. Okay. In 2012, they had a coronation for Merida from Brave. I believe she is born a princess. This is a controversial choice, by the way. Merida? Yeah. Why? It's not a Disney movie. It's not? It's a Pixar movie. Are they not the same thing? No. Oh. Disney owns Pixar. How is that not the same thing? Because all of these other movies were made by Walt Disney Animation Studios. Okay. Brave was made by Pixar. Okay. It's a controversial choice. I guess I'm just not seeing the controversy, but that's fine. Moving on. And then in 2016, well, I don't know when the coronation for Moana is. That movie is from 2016. And she also was born a princess. Was Was she given a coronation? Have you seen Moana? Yeah. Uh, She makes kind of a a speech at some point in the movie that she's not a princess. I believe Moana was added without a coronation. Okay, I I think I need to back up. You are talking about a literal coronation? Like somebody dresses up as these characters? I don't know how far we can stretch the meaning of the word literal, but... I mean, you are not speaking metaphorically. Like they released the movie and that's the metaphorical coronation. No, so sometimes years after the movie has been released... They add the female character to the Disney princess lineup. And when they do that, they have a real person dressed as this character. Yes. And they put a crown on her head. Yes. Okay. I was not getting that. I thought you just meant we released the movie. And so that's the metaphorical coronation. You were added to the princess line. I did not realize that they actually dress somebody up and put a crown on their head. That is very weird. Um. 
Uh, that's what happened. I believe you. I just think it's weird. I guess there was some controversy with Moana. Just like you said, she said in the movie that she's not a princess. Um, but she is one. She's in the lineup. But we need to sell some toys. So, <laughs> sure. <laughs> she's in the lineup. There are some interesting exceptions from this list. And you're probably thinking, uh, if you didn't already know, Elsa and Anna are not on this list. Exactly. And one of them, I guess, is a queen now and not a princess? That's correct. And the other one is a princess, right? Mm-hmm. No, so this is a marketing decision then? So here's, I've done a lot of reading about this actually. <laughs> did you feel like really weird doing it's this not, research? Because I did. Something to brag about. <laughs> so, so you pulled this out at trivia night? Elsa's a queen. Which means she's not a princess. Okay. And Anna is not the star of the movie. Which means she can't be a Disney princess. Well, I would argue that Jasmine's not the star of Aladdin. She's the main female character. She's the f- primary female character. Anna's the main female character of Frozen. It's her rescuing uh, her sister. I would agree with that assessment. But I think the real reason and i think this is also part of the reason for alice in wonderland is they don't need to put them in the princess line because they can already sell basically anything they want that says the word frozen on it that is true yeah that is very true so they don't need to combine the two and in fact there might be a question of whether frozen fans would be less likely to buy something if it weren't just frozen. Just frozen. The other thing is frozen appeals to a much wider age range of child. So that does that really does not cut off at six, right? Twelve year olds want to go see Frozen too. Okay. So I think if you put it in the princess line, you're limiting you're your limiting, market. That's my guess. That's interesting. I mean, they're not doing it out of strict adherence to the rules of what makes someone a princess. Obviously, they don't care about that. Exactly. So the reason has to be money. Yes. And Frozen makes boatloads of it. And I I think you're also probably right about Alice, too, with the romantic issue being separate. And, And Alice in Wonderland can sell things forever, endlessly by itself. Right. And... Because a lot of adults even like that story. Oh, yeah. And even if you don't love the Alice in Wonderland Disney movie, right? if you like Alice in Wonderland and you want a jacket or a purse or sheets, you're probably going to have to buy the Disney version. Right. Either the cartoon Disney version or the Tim Burton yes. Disney version. Yes. Yeah. Those are interesting exceptions. Mm-hmm. So I had a question doing this research. This is a great question. I never never occurred to me to think about this. And so I, you're really exhibiting some high quality critical thinking skills. Thank you. So I was like, I some, wasn't being sarcastic. <laughs> so I was like, some other researcher has thought about this, so I don't have to sit down and actually watch these movies. And luckily for me, they yeah, had. Yeah. People do this. So my question was, are these movies actually focused on the women? And what led me to that question was um, Sleeping Beauty. Because she's asleep. She has no, her only action in the movie is what she's knitting or something and she pricks her finger. Mm-hmm. That is her one action. Mm-hmm. And then she's asleep for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So how much of this is actually focused on the women that we say that these movies are about? 
So um, there's two women who have done study on this. Uh, Carmen Fott and Karen, it looks like Eisenhower to me, but it's spelled a little differently. Yeah. And so what they did is they watched the movies and they clocked female speaking roles. Okay. So any woman who's speaking, they time it, any man that's speaking. And this kind of reminded me of our discussion of Spice Girls feminism. Yeah, because it's like girl power movies. Kind of. Strong female character. But if you really examine it, mm, not so much. No. Um, to make some general statements here, they divided the movies into three categories. I love this. So they divided them by the classics, the renaissance, and then the new age. And this is a time period in which they were produced. So the classics include Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty. The olds. The olds. And yeah. then there's not another princess movie for 30 years, which I guess right. I didn't realize. Yeah. And then 30 years later, there's the renaissance, The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, and Mulan. And I guess those are right around the time that we probably were going to the movies with our parents. Definitely Little Mermaid. I was the perfect age for whenever that came out. Yeah. And I think I think I saw Beauty and the Beast in the theater, but I could be wrong about that. And then, but I also had a younger sibling. You did. And then the last one is New Age, which is Brave, Frozen, Princess and the Frog, and Tangled. Okay. So by breaking them up in those categories, we can really say more than just talking about one movie individually. Right, because those are kind of three different eras. Right. Yeah. And so they were thinking that these would kind of track with the women's movement. So as we go further on, Mm -hmm. women are going to get more speaking time. And that doesn't happen, which is very interesting. So in Cinderella, we have seven males who speak and seven females who speak. Mm Mm-hmm. In Sleeping Beauty, we have seven male speakers and six female speakers. And in Snow White, because of the dwarves, it's a little lopsided. Right. So we have 10 males to two females. And then if we look at the actual time here that's spent, Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty all have at least 50% of the spoken lines by women. Sleeping Beauty is almost 75%. Sleeping Beauty, the one who was asleep the whole time? Because Maleficent's a female. And the three oh. fairies are female. And the movie's really more about them yeah, than it is about the sleeping princess. Yeah. But it is a female-centric movie, both on the heroes and the villain side. So all three of those movies featured more speaking time by women than men. Female mm-hmm. Snow characters. White is exactly 50-50. Okay. But yeah. So, I mean, a good balance. Okay. Then you get to the Renaissance. Not really a Renaissance, I'm guessing. Not so much. Uh, the Little Mermaid's a little over a quarter of speaking by women. Beauty and the Beast is right about the same. Aladdin is like 10%. Pocahontas is about 25%. And Mulan's about 20 What? Yeah. You're t- it 20%? Yeah. I mean, I, I get fine in Aladdin. It's a movie about Aladdin and the genie. Okay. So she wasn't a main character. But the Little Mermaid, she loses her voice. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And her helpers are, what, a crab and a seagull and a fish, right? A fish? There's a fish, yeah. And they're all male. Yeah. So all of that speaking time, we're clocking it for the males. hmm The prince is a male. Yeah. If I had to guess, I'd say the woman that does the most talking in The Little Mermaid is probably Ursula. I guess. That's also surprising about Mulan. 77% of the talking in Mulan is by men. And this one was a little bit tricky, and they had to put a note in there the way that they did their counting. Because Milan does disguise herself as a male. 
Yeah. So they still counted that as a woman's speaking voice, even when she was disguised as a male. Sure. But again, she's basically the main female character surrounded by nothing but men. Yeah. So it's the same problem as The Little Mermaid. Yeah. All the sidekicks are male. So then we get to the new age. Okay, so this is Brave, Frozen, Princess and the Frog, Tangled. Last 10 years. Yes. We should see some improvement. You would hope, right? Princess and the Frog is about 25%. Tangled's a little over 50%. Brave is almost up there with Sleeping Beauty. And then Frozen is just a little under 50%, about 40%. So they're not really about women. I mean, it's hard to really make an argument. Like Princess and the Frog, it's hard to make the argument that it's about a female Mm -hmm. if women only have 25% of the speaking roles. If 25% of the time you're hearing a woman and 75% of the time you're hearing a man, how is this a movie about a woman? Explain this last graph, which I love that you have a graph. You know I can't help this. So it says female receivers, appearance versus skill. Okay. So, again, they divided it into classics, renaissance, new age. Yeah. And they're clocking, counting, however you want to say it, what the girls, the princesses are praised for. Oh, no. So this is where it has improved. So in the classics... 55% of the time, when somebody says something good about the princesses, it's because of their appearance. They're beautiful. They're lovely. La, 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 la. 11% of the time, it's because of a skill. And most of that skill is cleaning. (laughs) I mean, Snow White's cleaning up after the dwarves, Yeah, Yeah. Cinderella's cleaning a whole house. They're cleaning. In the Renaissance, 38% of the time they're being praised for appearance and 23% of the time it's for skill. I will say um, they make an interesting note here about Beauty and the Beast Mm -hmm. acknowledging this because uh, Belle says something in the movie about how everyone in town thinks she's just pretty. Yeah. And then in the New Age, they are only complimented 22% of the time for their looks and 40% of the time. For their actual skills. So it's better in the newer movies. 22% of the compliments are appearance-based, 40% skill-based. Right. And so there's definitely been an intentional shift to actually show these women being able to do something and hopefully not just cleaning. (laughs) I don't remember Elsa doing any cleaning. No. I mean, cleaning up her own mess, but... (laughs) Okay, so we know why people watch Disney movies. They're fun. They satisfy. They're generally safe. Mm -hmm. Children like them. They have songs. Oh, yeah. That you're going to hear all the time from your kids. Yeah. They're colorful and bright and happy. They have talking animals. They make jokes that parents appreciate. There's an element of nostalgia involved in us watching movies that remind us of when we were kids. They're entertaining and they're part of the cultural conversation. So your kid wants to watch Moana so that they can go to school or daycare or the playground and talk about Moana and dress up like Moana. So we know why people watch them. Yes. No question. You watch them. Your kid watches them. So the primary concerns about Disney princess movies, there's, I think, three. We just like to ruin things. (laughs) We like you to be thoughtful consumers and to understand 
the unseen effects of things. But yeah, we just ruin things. So there are a few primary concerns that people have when they say when they criticize Disney princesses. So the first is kind of what you were talking about earlier. A lot of academics and a lot of parents too say Disney princesses are bad for girls because they are defined by their appearance. They're obsessed with their appearance. They're praised for their appearance. And they all have a very similar appearance. Right. Not a lot of body diversity here. And they often must be rescued by men. Obvious exception being frozen and brave. And they don't, have a lot of agency they're mostly doing things because either their parents told them to or because they are very predictably rebelling against what their parents said but there's a point in your life where you stop identifying with the princess and you start identifying with the parents and that is a sad day it is it is many classic disney princesses are white and Western, so American, All of the classic ones European, are. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they have more, again, diversity now, it's not necessarily authentic representation. And for whatever reason, Elena of Avalar, who is the only Latin American princess oh, okay, yes. in the Disney universe, is never considered a Disney princess. She didn't have a theatrical movie, but she has Disney Channel That's movies true. and shows. That's true. I didn't even think about that one. All of these... Sophia the First, too. Yeah. All of these princesses are heterosexual. As far as we know. Well, they're in heterosexual romances. Yes. <laughs> they marry or at least find their mate very young. Yes. And they all have these very neatly resolved romances, which... In addition to giving people body issues, I think they give people bad impressions of what relationships are. I'm going to stop you. Okay. None of these princesses have relationships. Yeah. We end with the wedding and we actually don't show any interaction with the princes, right? Yeah. You don't really even know what it is other than he's cute and he said one nice thing one time. The one that actually shows interaction with the prince is going to be Beauty and the Beast. And he's keeping her as a hostage. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a representation or, of relationships. Or Eric, but she can't speak. So, in, yeah. in, in The Little Mermaid. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they, they decide almost instantaneously that they're in love with each other. Yes. And it just gives people bad impressions of how those things work. But they're fairy tales. Fine. They are, all of these females are traditionally attractive, very little diversity in body type, in hair length. They all have the same length hair. That is interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yes. I looked at a picture of them and I said, they all have the same, they have different colors of hair, right? They have red hair, they have curly hair, they have blonde hair, they have dark colored hair, but they're all the same length. That is very interesting. And they're all from about the same social standing, right? They're all... That's not true. Who's not? Well, you've got Cinderella who's not. But then she becomes. Well, if we're talking about the ending, and yeah, they're all princesses or whatever. Yeah, but that's that's where you. Okay, I think you're born into. You're striving to. I got it. I'm a with you certain now. social standing, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. And I think if, I'm at beginning. And if you're poor, then you need to spend your whole life finding a rich man to whisk well, you away and it from. Also gives this idea of the rich being virtuous, right? Because you're rewarded yes. with wealth. Yes. And all of the people that stay in poverty are evil and bad. It's the opposite in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and and aside from like the social class 
the big social class like economic, they also, I feel like, contribute to like the social status obsession. Like who's the prettiest girl? Who's the coolest girl? Like within the context of a school or a group of friends, right? There's one girl who is the princess. Yes. That's my problem with princesses. Like, we're ranking all the girls. Right. And you have to be the highest ranked girl, or you're the ugly best friend, or... You're the uh, same as a talking raccoon. Or or the servant. Right. Right? Or, like, the ugly, fat, fairy godmother, or the witch. I see what you're saying. So, I did more research than was probably healthy on this. Yeah. And I found something really interesting about how some of these princesses were changed... When we started the marketing. Okay. So oh, yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. I have not seen Brave. Okay. But I've seen pictures of her yeah. from the movie. And, like, the hair is real wild. Yeah. Like, it's supposed to be wild, right? Yeah. And, like, her dress is not glittery. It's not so a ball she, gown. Before Frozen, Brave was kind of... I mean, I feel like they say this about every single movie. Like, it's a real turning point for female representation because whatever... Ariel's rebellious and Belle likes books. Oh my um, God, reading. Uh, so we're really making girls look great in these movies. Every single one has that. But I feel like Brave really was because she did not care about her appearance very much. She was very interested in things that are traditionally masculine. So she shoots arrows. She is out in nature, in the wilderness. She isn't dressing up or combing her hair, putting on ball gowns. So she was a little different. Absolutely. But when they went to market her as part of the line, they changed her. So you guys can Google this. Um, You can just Google Brave Princess Marketing. This is actually horrifying. And you will see two pictures. One is from her in the movie. And then the other one is how they market her to sell products. They changed her whole face. They And this is true also of Pocahontas and Jasmine, but we'll get to that in a minute. So they changed her face. They changed her hair. They made it, it's still curly, but it looks well kept and it looks pretty. I don't know another word for it. It looks pretty. And they changed her dress. They yeah, added, so instead of being like very simple frock, it's glittery. It's glittery and has gold embellishments. And instead of her belt being something that holds arrows it's a sash it's a sash and And she's no longer holding a bow like a bow and arrow bow and this is something else that um the authors i read talked about they changed the way she stands yes it's a much more sexual stance i don't know another way to say this yeah i mean it's definitely chest forward and and her um, dress is now off the shoulder yeah so they changed the way and they changed her face she looked Kind of had she used to have like a goofy grin, yes, and um, not childlike, but definitely not wearing not someone wearing a lot of makeup. And they cha- just the, everything they changed. They changed the shape of her face so it was less round. I mean, it's pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, but they made her more palatable to people that want to just buy a princess. That's awful. I hate this. Get this away from me. So um, they did a similar thing, like I said, with Mulan and with Pocahontas. Uh, but with that, and I'm going to give you another picture here in a second. Uh, with that one, what they did was, again, change the face shape slightly. And they also lightened the skin. 
<sighs> the other thing about Milan is when they market her, they never market her in the warrior outfit, which is where she felt most comfortable. They market her in that, um, I don't know what it's called, where she goes to try to get married. Mm-hmm. What is that called? I don't know. I've never seen this movie. Okay. It's like a traditional outfit, and I forget the name of it. But they're marketing her at her most uncomfortable. Yeah, they're definitely giving them giant eyes, lots of makeup. And, I mean, Pocahontas and Mulan both are similar to the character from Brave. Like, they will go out in nature. They will fight. They will use weapons. They can be tough. Mulan, for a while, dresses as a man so she can engage in combat. And then they... Put them in these like gold sparkly giant earrings. It's it's not reflective of their character. And I would imagine if I was a person or a child who really loved Mulan or Brave and I got this, I would be like, what is this? Right. This isn't what I signed up for, man. I mean, I would hope. Um, with Mulan, they, and there's a couple articles you can find about this. Um, they realize they overcorrected. Um, so they actually darkened the skin back up a little bit. They went too far. You know what they should have done? Not done this? They should have asked, you know, maybe some Asian women about how to portray Asian women. It's just or a thought. Or if you're so worried about, what did we say, um, the validity of the story or the mythology or something? Yeah. If in the story she's most comfortable when she's the warrior, hey, market that. Yeah. If you're really worried about your storytelling... Which we've already established that's not what we're worried about. They're not. They don't care about that. still. So let's talk about how far-reaching the movies are. Disney's TV channels are broadcast in 133 countries. Wow. And it's films and merchandise, obviously, in even more countries. Everywhere. Than that. And so I was interested in how that impacts girls who are not from the United States. Okay. So there's a sociologist named Chara Apal. She's from Sweden. I'm probably not saying that totally correctly. But she spent about 10 years asking girls in various countries to draw a princess. Ooh, interesting. So she asked girls in the United States, China, Fiji, India, and Sweden. So she says, draw a princess. Then she has a 10 to 15 minute interview with each girl. And she says things like, who's a princess? What age did you start watching Disney princess movies? Do you think you could be a princess? Most girls said that they have been watching Disney movies since before they could remember, meaning it's just been always part of their life. Right. Nearly every drawing, 61 out of 63, depicted a light-skinned princess, many resembling a Disney character. And remember, she asked them, draw a princess. Right. She didn't mention Disney until after the drawing was over in the interview. Girls from Fiji drew Ariel. Huh. Okay. Indian girls drew Belle and Sleeping Beauty. Not a single girl drew a princess wearing the clothing that would be traditional in that girl's country. So no girl in India drew a princess in a sari. That's very interesting. And again, she didn't say draw Ariel, draw Belle. She said draw a princess. And let them make the connection And themselves. they put them in ball mm-hmm. gowns. Interesting. Additionally, some girls in non-Western countries, India, Fiji, and China, said they could not be a princess because their skin was too dark and they were not beautiful enough. Oh, that's so sad. So the diverse princesses 
Not really making a dent. Not that. resonating. Not replacing the images that people have of popular white Sleeping Beauty Snow Whites. Most girls surveyed preferred the classic white princesses to Mulan and Jasmine. And while not all girls in India and Fiji were familiar with Aladdin, Mulan, and Pocahontas, because those movies maybe hadn't penetrated as much, nearly all of those girls had seen Cinderella and Snow White. So obviously her concern is not that she wants every girl to feel like she can grow up to be a princess. That's not her point of her research. Her concern is that girls in her study said they lack what they perceive as princess characteristics, beauty, desirability, and basically Americanness. That's an interesting conclusion there. She said beauty in itself isn't inherently good or bad, but it's been assigned this importance culturally as what makes someone who is female valuable. At the very least, we hope a girl doesn't feel excluded from having value. So she said this isn't conclusive of of anything necessarily, but she calls it a data point that reinforces the idea that stereotypes and harmful beliefs about who's good enough and who can be considered beautiful. It's really interesting that Americanness, these movies are not just marketed here. Mm -hmm. They're marketed worldwide. And that's a form of cultural imperialism. And even though they take place in fictional lands, I mean, they're all speaking English with American accents. France is not really France. Yeah. It's like, you know, Anaheim. <laughs> it's, in, it's in Disney World. Yes, There's exactly. There's a France in Disney World, right? There's another book called The Princess Problem, which I think is very an on similar idea to uh, Cinderella Ate My, my daughter. daughter. So the author of that book is Rebecca Haynes. And she basically wrote this book because she learned that parents are aware of these potential problems like unrealistic body image, low self-esteem, all those things associated with princess obsession. They just don't know what to do about it. Let me tell you, it is so hard. So hard. I banned princesses from our house. My daughter has princess stuff. Because you, it's like you can't. It's like a horror movie. You can't stop it from getting in your house. It's there. <laughs> it's like glitter. Well, because cousins and grandparents. I mean, they buy this stuff, yeah. and your daughter opens it for Christmas, and then you're gonna be the evil person. It's like, nope, can't have that. We'll take that away. And it's not like your parents will listen to you if you tell your parents, don't buy that. No, they'll just buy ten of them. I exactly. mean, we know what grandparents are like. Exactly. So, and it's a different world, right? Yeah. I don't know if this stuff. Well, one, we didn't have princesses growing up because they didn't make them for 30 years. But two, I don't know how just ubiquitous it was. Yeah. I don't. I mean, remember... I wasn't into dressing up as anything except on Halloween, but kids now really want to dress up as things. But I remember like walking the halls of Toys R Us and I don't remember there being a whole princess section. Yeah. And there's a princess section everywhere now. And the, the other thing that we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about, but I think is important to mention is that... Boys like these movies also. Yes. And sometimes boys, regardless of their age or any other factor, sometimes boys also want to engage in these movies. Sometimes boys want to dress up as these characters or have these toys or have these bed sheets or these lamps. And there is a huge controversy about that. There's a stigma to it. And when Target said we're not going to have gendered toy aisles anymore... That was great. A lot of people hated that. But they still have a princess aisle, right? Right. And it's so. And it is pink 
And it is glittery <laughs> and it has sequins. So I don't know how comfortable, even if you are a parent who says get whatever you want, you may not necessarily be comfortable taking your kid who is a boy into that eye. You should, definitely. Yes. But there is a lot of social pressure to... Well, and forget the parents. Let's say there's a little boy who just really loves Frozen. He's yeah. going to buy a Frozen lunchbox. He's going to take that to school one time. Yeah. And even if your parents are cool with it... Can I, you have a Frozen birthday party? You know what I mean? I don't know if second graders are going to be cool with that. Yeah. So they're, these movies are definitely... Be, and the thing is, they are they're like hyper hyper gender rolled so that's why it's not necessarily acceptable widely for boys to like them because they are made to be super girly girl as opposed to just being like a kid's movie you know what i mean yes i don't think it would be weird if a boy like dora the explorer because she's just a kid who likes exploring but even with that they made diego for boys yeah but, but Aladdin can be for both. Especially now, if this is a $4 billion industry, I don't know if we're going to make any more boy movies. <laughs> like This may be it. <laughs> this is going to be princesses from here on out. They just made another Lion King. Don't worry. Oh, I bet like new stories. Though. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's the next one coming out? Frozen 2. Mm-hmm. I don't even know beyond that. So princess culture is more than a phase for girls ages 2 through 10 who like things that are pink. And there is an age where it is very appropriate for kids to get very highly gendered. That is a developmental stage. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So my daughter thinks that eyelashes are what makes you a boy or a girl. Fine. But she's very concerned about that. Like You should it, take her to Ulta. There are tons of boys in there with long eyelashes. No, but like she'll look at a giraffe and be like, Mommy, he doesn't have eyelashes. It's a boy. And I'm like, okay, sure. Giraffes are boys because they don't have long eyelashes. I don't know what to tell you. But that's an appropriate developmental stage. Yeah. So your kid going through that should not be ultimately concerning that little. Yeah. But then as they get older, we want them to move out of that. Right. And and we also want them to know if you're eight and you like Frozen, it's fine. But so the movies are, as you've said, unavoidable, gender segregated media, gender segregated marketing. And in the book, which I just told you was called The Princess Problem. Yes. She... Talks about the marketing and how the marketing reveals these gender stereotypes about romance and beauty and being passive, mm. at least until we get to Frozen. And she says that the non-Caucasian princesses are given token representation. Yes. So in her book, she has a step-by-step process where she offers parents advice on how to decide which values are important, how to responsibly, I guess, consume this media and how to talk to their kids about the movies that they've watched and have a healthy media diet. I've tried talking to my 10-year-old about the movies we just watched and I'll say, you know, like, what do you think about this? Or how do you feel about the main character being a girl? And she'll just be like, I like when the thing exploded. So, <laughs> But the point is you're having that conversation. Yeah. And even if she's not responding to it, you're putting the idea in her head. Yeah. And you're not letting the movie drive the narrative that she ultimately is going to latch on to. That makes me feel better. Thanks. So do we want to talk about the princes individually? I want to talk about just three of them. I got. I want to talk about Belle and Ariel. Okay. And I want to end by talking uh, about Frozen. 
I want to throw Tiana in this mix too. Okay, I've never seen that movie, so I'll just believe everything you say. Sure. So first, let's let's talk about what's problematic about Belle and Beauty and the Beast. And again, I think with every one of these movies, when it comes out, the conversation initially is, "Look, a girl with a book." Right. There's That's this so amazing positive progress for female representation because X, Y, or Z. In the case of Belle. She reads books. She's not obsessed with her appearance. And she is like a devoted family member who has competence basically outside of looking pretty and cleaning. And I think you've said this before, but maybe we need to say it again. If somebody likes these movies, we're not trying to ruin them for oh, you. Watch them. Love them. If you identify with Belle, if you as an adult dress up as Belle. This is not a judgment of your choice. <laughs> right. Please get all of the enjoyment out of life as you can because... As we said, there's a lot of ugly, disgusting things happening. But just in the know universe. if you go into academia, yeah. And if you're making a movie, maybe, yeah. Listen. So that's the, that's what people said about Belle originally. Right. There's a lot of problems with this movie and the way it depicts these characters. He does have Beast does have Belle as a prisoner in his home, a literal hostage. Yes, he is definitely verbally abusive. Possibly, at some points, physically abusive. He slams things. He throws things. So if he doesn't physically injure her, he does physically threaten her. Yes. And, of course, he's a monster or a beast. And she is a human female. So she is basically always in danger. And they have what can best be described as an abusive relationship. Yeah. Until she changes him. Right. And tames the beast and brings out the hidden, handsome dreamboat of a prince. Yes. Which is the exact story we want to keep all girls away from. Because we don't want a girl to enter a relationship and say, Hey, if the dude is a terrible person. I can fix him. Borderline abusive. Do not go in with the mindset of. But he's sweet on the inside, and I am the one who really understands him, and I can change him. I just need a talking teacup and, what, a clock? So it's one thing to love somebody and work with them through their problems. It's another thing to be in a relationship that is anything like this. So that's the big problem with with specific to Belle. Uh, that's not the general body image, ball gown, all of those things. There's some defense of Belle. Okay. I've never heard the defense. <laughs> it took me a while to find it. Okay. So people, number one, I'll say, a lot of women I know like Belle because she is an intellectual princess. I mean, our only proof of that, though, is that she read a book one time. She reads books all the time. Yeah, but in the movie, we see her read one book, and it's basically... The story she's in. Anyway, she's an intellectual princess, okay? Sure. And she has a, a, a kind of a smart aleck attitude a little bit. In a the, little bit. Yeah. So in defense of Belle, people say when he yells at her, she yells back. When, she, when he slams the door, she slams back. So she's not like a cowering victim. Okay. 
that she never says that she wants to change him, transform him, or find the good man inside of him. And that she doesn't fall in love with him until after he begins to treat her better. Okay. But that is, that's the strongest defense I can make. It's not super strong. No, it's not. This is probably my most hated. And uh, that's saying really? something because I really also hate The Little Mermaid. So You hate Belle the most. Uh, I mean, not her as a well, character. Yes, but, but yeah, I hate that depiction. Oh, I, I just think that's so dangerous. Yeah. Such a... Da- I mean, there are so many people who are already inclined to say, I'm the one who truly understands that person. Yes. And I'm going to stick with them because there's a good person in there and because occasionally he's really nice to me and I think we understand. Yeah. I mean, that's just so dangerous. That's interesting because I've always been like lukewarm on Belle. I have no strong feelings either way. Yeah. Oh, but I have some strong feelings about Ariel. Okay, good. So Ariel's problematic. The movie, again is portrayed as being a turning point, princess turning point movie. Uh, Roger Ebert reviewed it and said, look at her. She's this strong-minded, willful female character. His word was spunky. Yeah. So because Ariel was spunky and kind of rebellious, that was supposed to be a big turning point for us. To me, that's a pretty low bar. Her rebelliousness. (laughs) Never mind. We'll just move on. A man has power over her basically all times through the movie. Her dad, and then she rebels against him, and then she's basically Eric's. The good female characters are all young, thin, look almost identical, and beautiful. And they're all looking for love. The bad female characters, the ones the movie want the movie wants us to think are bad, they're all older, unmarried, bitter, fat, and ugly. So that tells you what's good and virtuous and what's bad and not virtuous reflected in your physicality. Mm -hmm. There's an entire verse of Poor Unfortunate Souls that discusses how and why men prefer women who are quiet and withdrawn. My only defense of that is that everything that that person says you should know is wrong because that's the villain speaking. I know. I'm with you. But but then she does literally give up her voice. Give up her voice. And this is why this movie is banned in my house. The guy... And I'll say the only feminist in this movie is the wicked villain. She's, it's hard for me to call Ursula feminist. Uh, She's strong, independent, enterprising, smart, single, confident. She isn't afraid to take up space with her body. And she enjoys her own body. She enjoys her sexuality, Mm -hmm. right? So, but then they make her the wicked villain. So all of those traits, again, are supposed to be associated with wickedness. Right. Being a strong woman, being a single woman, being a confident woman, being a woman who takes up space, who uses her sexuality instead of just blinking her eyelashes, which is what all the other Disney princesses do. All of those traits that we should admire about Ursula are supposed to be in the movie associated with wickedness. So this is the one that I absolutely do not allow in my house. My daughter's aware of it. Mm -hmm. She'd be like, Mommy, that's the one you don't like. (laughs) And I... I mean, she's four, so it's very hard to explain these concepts. Like, honey, we can't support the patriarchy. <laughs> like, you can't do that to a yeah. four-year-old. Uh, so the issue is she literally gives up her voice. Mm-hmm. To me, that is the most dangerous message you can give women. And it's a message that's reinforced over and over and over again in our culture. Mm-hmm. I just I hate this so much. And I want to like her because she has red hair. 
So does Brave, but you never even saw that movie. Well, yes, but at some point I probably will have to. Um, but this so, is the one where I was a kid and I wanted to like her because she had red hair. Nobody else had ever had red hair. Yeah, yeah. So here's some defense okay. of The Little Mermaid. You can feel free to shoot it down. Sure. Eric doesn't want to kiss her immediately because he thinks, he doesn't use this word, but he says something big. He thinks she's undergone a trauma, so he doesn't want to take advantage of her. He fell in love with her voice and not her face. I mean, but the idea that you fall in love with someone within 10 seconds is stupid anyway. I'm just giving you the defenses, yeah. okay? Sure. There's a Time Magazine opinion piece in 2015 uh, that said, Everyone heralded Frozen as a big feminist movie, even though Elsa's eyes are bigger than her waist, which I looked and they are. Are they really? So we haven't made much progress on realistic body image in cartoons in the last 25 years. It's obviously a problem, but let's not criticize Ariel just because she has a shell bra. So basically, like, the female body image issues that exist in The Little Mermaid basically exist in all of these movies, and we can't single this one out because she is just wearing a bra. I have so many issues with Ariel. I mean, she's basically a hoarder. She is easily misled. She's got a whole, I don't know, gaggle of sisters. She doesn't go to any of them for help. She goes to a talking fish. But her sisters want to follow what her dad is saying, and she is brave enough to rebel. So goes the defense. Okay, let's put this in the real world, though. Your 16-year-old daughter yeah. sneaks out of your house and goes and meets a boy you don't like because he's someone you don't know. Yeah. You're not going to praise her for being brave. You're going to say, do you know that you could get murdered? Well, yeah. But everybody has to move on sometime. Everybody has to leave. Yeah, at their... 18, not 16. You don't know how old she is. She's supposed to be 16 in the movie. A lot of people say that she didn't give her voice up for a man and that she didn't make those sacrifices for Eric, but that what she gave her voice up for is the human world that she was from the very beginning of the movie more in love with the people who walked on land and the idea of the human world than she was with any particular person. And so when she gives up her voice, it isn't because she wants to be with Eric the dreamboat. It's because she wants to live or explore the world above ground. But the contract she signs is literally to get the prince. And she gets her voice back if she does it. Right. But her real reason for doing it is so she can get up onto the land because she wants to be where the people are. I mean, she sings that in a song. Yeah. I want to be... to Google, she's 16. Part of your world. Don't you know the song? It's called Part of Your World, not Part of Eric's World. I do not agree with this defense, Ariel. <sighs> she's strong enough to be independent and rebellious, going against the patriarchal wishes of her father. That one's not working on you either. Uh, she says it in the song. She's doing all this not for a man or not just for a man, but, but she to be part of your world. But she doesn't get on land and enroll in college. <laughs> she doesn't get on land and open up a little Etsy shop somewhere. I mean, she gets on land and she becomes immediately a wife. What would she sell in her Etsy shop? She sells she sell bras. I don't know. Forks. Hair forks. There, I don't see any independence here. The one moment of independence is where she's giving up her voice and signing a contract with the villain of the show. 
I mean, so yeah, lots of people are independent in stupid ways. That's not something we should <laughs> praise or celebrate. I love how much you hate this I movie. I hate this movie. I don't like it either. My defense of it is is purely rhetorical, but I hate this me one. Me personally, I don't like it either. I, I'm like personally offended, I think, also because she has red hair. <laughs> so I want to talk about Tiana before we talk about Frozen. Uh, Tiana, as you know, is the first African-American princess added to the lineup. Mm-hmm. And I am saying African-American because it's set in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. One of the criticisms of this movie, and I think it's valid, she's our first black princess, but she spends the majority of the movie not even being human. She spends the majority of the movie being a frog. I didn't know that. I've never seen it. Yeah, so she's turned into a frog, and then she ends up, at the very, very, very end, marrying and becoming a princess. So like we finally add, it's like I did representation, but not really. Yeah. We finally add a black princess to the canon of princesses. But when you go to see the movie, she's not she's not in it. She's for, a frog. Yeah. yeah. She's a frog. It's kind of progress, but not really. Yeah. We moved forward, I guess. It's frustrating. I could see why people would be very upset by that. Yeah. I also found out Oprah was in that movie and I didn't know that. Well now you do. Yeah, I know a lot about stuff now that I thought I would never know. <laughs> You're the one who likes research. So- I had a lot of fun researching this. It was just Highs and lows. So you've seen Frozen many times. Yes. And people, for the most part, say that, well, I mean, I guess there's it's, there's a spectrum of responses. A I lot don't of, mind Frozen. A lot of people say Frozen is like this feminist masterpiece. I don't know if I'd go that far. A lot of people say, you know, it's not bad for a Disney princess <laughs> That's movie. where I'm at. Yeah. And a lot of people just say it's just a better just it's a better story it's better written it has a better theme it has better characters it is more realistic in its portrayal of relationships it shows people being sad for more than a day you know what i mean like when in in most disney movies somebody's sad and they cry and then somebody's like hey snap out of it and then they're fine and in this one there's real trauma and there's real time to recover from it a lot of people just say on the whole it's a better movie it's just more maturely put together yes it does have a better a couple better messages for girls, right? The first is that the sisters are close and and at least toward the end rely yes. on each other. They, of course, Anna saves Elsa, right? Elsa saves Anna. I think they kind of both saved each they other. They save each other. Um, I think that's supposed to be the takeaway. There's a romantic relationship that happens in a very traditional Disney way, right? They meet, they're basically immediately in love and they get engaged and the movie's kind of like does a record scratch and says like, that's here's, crazy. Here's why that's a bad idea, right? Elsa doesn't have a romantic storyline. Uh, they have friends who they rely on, even though they're, it's a snowman who's been brought to life and a moose. Reindeer? Reindeer. I don't know. And the romance that Anna eventually has is kind of a Mr. Darcy situation. So they dislike each other and then they are forced to spend time together and they realize that they like each other. But that's a more 
It's a more evolved portrayal of a relationship, right? They're not instantly in love. They have conflict. They have conversations. They work together. They cooperate. They find actual things they like about each other. She finds out things about his life. He finds out things about her family. They help each other get through challenging times, and then they fall in love. That is a much better romantic story than, oh, my God, did you see his eyes? And then she blinks at him, and then they're in love. You know what I mean? Or she doesn't even see him. He kisses her while she's asleep. Yeah. So my favorite thing about this movie, and it's dumb. I'll say that. It's dumb. But I feel very strongly about this. Is this about to be about the snowman? It doesn't end in a wedding. Yeah. That is my favorite thing about this movie. Yeah. And I'm going to, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, here we go. And I thought they were going to cut to the end Mm -hmm. and it was going to be a wedding. And they didn't do it. It was great. It's a little thing, but it matters a lot to me. And I'm sorry, nobody gets married and then it's like roses from then on. Mm -hmm. You still have to live with that person and people can be annoying. And this is a small thing, but as an English people, as an English, as English people, as English people, (laughs) cheerio, um, as an English teacher, you know, symbolism is important to me. So like the fact that Anna still has a white streak in her hair. Oh, I never even thought about that. Right. So that. It It is a happy, satisfying resolution, but it is not as if nothing ever happened. Right. We're not erasing the trauma. Like we are learning and growing and maturing. And. But the past is still there. Exactly. Yeah. It's not perfect. I mean, it's still. I don't know. What would you say is the biggest criticism of Frozen? I can tell you the biggest criticism from parents Other is than that her eyes let it go as big as her waist. Annoying, but oh god. I actually so Frozen is a show that I do not mind my daughter watching. Mm-hmm. I much prefer it to The Little Mermaid. Also, one more thing about The Little Mermaid. It's not true to the original story. In the original story she ends up a seafoam, and I would have rather have seen that happen <laughs> than the way that this ends. <laughs> You really I hate it extremely extremely hate the little mermaid. Yeah. Elsa's eyes are as big as her waist. I will never not be able to see that now. So Frozen Two is about to come out. It sure is. I have no I haven't heard anything about this movie. I don't know what the plot is. I know nothing. Uh, they are really, I think, for the most part, keeping it under wraps. Do you think that is gonna be because it's not very good? Or do you No, I think it's just they're hyping it up, you know? So Frozen 2, correct me if I'm wrong, female director? The There's two directors. One of them is Jennifer Lee, who made the first movie. The second director is Chris Buck. Okay. The music is composed by a woman that's Kristen Anderson Lopez. The screenplay is by two women, Jennifer Lee and Allison Schroeder. And, of course, the two uh, stars of the movie, Kristen Bell and Adina Mendel. Yeah, Adina Mendel. But there are a lot of Broadway stars in this movie. Jonathan Groff, who was in Hamilton, and then he was on Mindhunter. Yes, yes. Um, he's He plays Kristoff. I never knew that. Just says, Elsa, the Snow Queen, and her sister Anna embark on an adventure far away from the kingdom of Arendelle. They are joined by friends Kristoff, Olaf, and Sven. So That's a real generic. Yeah. They, I mean, they're leaving Arendelle, and that's all we know. So that, yeah, my hope for that movie is that the, the best way you'll be able to describe it is that it was a f- adventure movie. That's what I want it to be. I want it to be a group of friends 
on an adventure. If it ends in a wedding, I'm going to be so <laughs> sad. I, I mean, and if it's in pursuit of Elsa's romantic interests, I'll be sad as well. I swear to God, if she gives her voice away for somebody, I'm going to be so pissed <laughs> off. Yeah. You know, the other thing I like about Frozen is that Kristen Bell, it, who's the voice of Anna, she has children and they always want her to dress up as Elsa. Oh, yes. I've seen for that. For Halloween. Yes. And so she she is like, but... You know, I'm in that movie. Like, we could maybe the no, okay, and then she just ends up. She she does it because she's a good mom. So, my hope that's my hope that it's an adventure movie. What's your hope for Frozen Two? Just no wedding at the end, and you'll be happy. Just no wedding at the end. <laughs> it's a very low bar, uh, and yet so many movies <laughs> can't clear it. But if, did you see the picture I put in here of Elsa? Her eyes I are... I did, and now I'm never going to unsee that. Yep, you're welcome. Thanks. You're welcome. Oh, her eyes are freakish. They all have giant eyes in that movie. It's real weird. Yeah, but I never, I guess, looked looked until now. And like her mouth is too small. Now she's You're gonna, welcome. Thanks. Thanks. So, Misty, what's next in your lady life? So now that I've done all my Disney research... Yeah. Next week we're going to be going to see this movie. <sighs> you already have your tickets? No. You're going to go see a movie the week it comes out? I mean, we'll go on like Tuesday morning, but yeah. So you're going to go in like two weeks, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, but I'm ready now because I've watched all or I have all my research. <laughs> so I can point out to my daughter. <laughs> Listen, child, what's next in your lady life? Um, aside from the usual, which is grading, we are planning a party. We are having a Friendsgiving party. Oh, that's nice. So Wait, what is that? What? Are you going to invite people over because they're friends of yours? Or are you going to watch this show, Friends? Because <laughs> one of those is nice and one of those is not. Uh, no, we're just... In, we're mostly actually inviting our new neighbors. But yeah, we're going to invite some people over okay. to eat food. And we are not going to watch the show, Friends. That's the nice one. Okay, good. God, I wish I had said the other one, though. Because you would have <laughs> hated it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profess Hers, our podcast about seeing movies, culture, and history through our lady eyes. I'm Misty, and the Disney character I most relate to is Ariel's dad. <laughs> King Triton. Yes. Uh, and I'm Allegra. I'm definitely an Ursula. No. Nope. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. No question. We'd love to hear from you what you thought about today's episode, what you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, or how great you think we are. Which is extremely great. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ProfessHers, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S, or by email, same address, ProfessHers at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you to everyone who has been listening, commenting, liking, and reviewing our podcast. Please keep doing all those things, and we hope you recommend our podcast to a friend or fellow princess. And remember, I gotta do it. Let it go. But didn't you love the movie Aladdin? Yeah, it was okay. You're a freak of nature. I understand that. <laughs>